0: Well, you may, most of you haven't been to my home, but right in the middle of my house is our dining room table. It's just the centerpiece and kind of everything revolves around it the way uh, our particular house is laid out. And so as soon as I come downstairs from our bedroom, the very first thing I see is the dining room table. And occasionally, a couple of times a week, I'm walking down the stairs and I look at that dining room table. And when... This special, very rare moment occurs. All of a sudden, music from heaven starts. And a light shines down on the table. And the glory of God is on the table. And the joy of the Lord fills my soul. Because every once in a while, the dining room table is, you're not going to believe this, empty. Nothing is on it. And when that rare occasion happens, I am thrilled And so it's a constant battle because you've probably seen it happen at your home that the table may be clear one morning or one evening, and then somebody leaves that singular glass. They leave the glass on the table. They don't take it back to the kitchen. And after the glass is left on the table, someone else leaves their homework notebook, and then someone else leaves the glue and the crayons from a class project. And then someone else, I wouldn't know who this would be in my house, leaves the mail on the table that they got from the mailbox and and doesn't distribute it. And someone else leaves coupons laying there. And before you know it, what is supposed to be this beautiful dining room table is this uh, pile of family litter. And it just kind of intricately piles up where if you feel like you sneeze, it's just going to cause everything to go everywhere. So this is very similar to what happens to us when we develop destructive habits we don't make a decision one day hey i'm going to really have this horrible habit in my life it's just one little by little one glass one pair of scissors a newspaper before we know it that environment is a mess you think about that all kinds of environments your car your locker there's all types of places that We try to maintain and keep clean, but it just naturally gets into a mess again. And that's how it is with a lot of our behaviors. When we don't give attention to behavior in our life, it just kind of drifts off. And we become a mess. Rudy Giuliani, he he has this concept. Uh, He was the mayor of New York City and uh, was a former policeman. So when he became the mayor, he was like the cop of the city and enforced all these laws. And he has this policy that he calls the broken glass policy. Meaning this, if there is a vacant building, his theory is that if that vacant building has a broken piece of glass, then a person who walks along has a propensity to take a rock and throw a rock at the other piece of glass. And if two pieces of glasses are broken in the building then the whole building begins to be vandalized. And if one building on a street is vandalized, then a whole neighbor, neighborhood is, van, is vandalized and begins to, to, to become in disrepair. And then if a, neighborhood, if a neighborhood gets messed up, then the whole city gets messed up. So the point is this. The little things matter. Fix the broken glass on the one vacant building because it's going to make a big difference. And that kind of mindset is why we've been looking at habits. Because like the video said earlier, all of us have baggage. All of us carry baggage around. All of us has this baggage that weighs us down. And we've got to drop it, just like the video said. We, we have to let go of our baggage. And if we're honest, we all are dealing with it. But the key to success, to be everything God wants you to be, is to take care of stuff in the beginning. Take care of stuff at the beginning. So that's why we spent some time this month looking at habits. Today I want to close out this series with a message called replacing your habits. Replacing your destructive habits. And I want us to look at a scripture out of Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12 uh, talks about demonic spirits. And I I want to say right away that uh, these demonic spirits are very real, and our church absolutely believes in those, uh, believe that those exist. So the passage we're going to look at today is in no way an allegory or no way an analogy that demonic spirits are real. But I've taught on this quite a bit, especially when, when we went through the book of Mark on Wednesday night. So if you allow me today, I'm going to use this as an analogy for bad habits and and habits that are destructive. And so let's let's look at the scripture here and see what we have here. Matthew chapter 12 starting with verse 43. It says when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert. Now, like I noted, this is a real thing, but I want you to equate this with a destructive habit. When a destructive habit leaves a person, or an evil spirit, it goes into the desert seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. And so, this is going to be a key verse here in verse 44. It returns and it finds its former home empty, swept. And I want you to think about that word, swept, because I'm going to address that in a second. And in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. Well, there's a lot we we can learn about spiritual warfare and things of that nature. But here's, here's the takeaway that I want you to get for our purposes this morning. Because this has happened to you and it's happened to me. We get rid of a habit in our life. We eliminate a destructive habit. And later on down the road... That same habit comes back, but it comes back with intensity. It comes back with greater fervor. It is more difficult than before. Now, in verse 44, I told you to notice the the word "swept." You know, if you've ever done any sweeping, you know that when you sweep, that is not an instantaneous instantaneous, uh, issue there. You start from one end of the sidewalk and you sweep. Systematically to the other end. You start at the top of the driveway and you sweep all the way to the bottom. So there's this idea, there's this idea that, that overcoming a destructive habit often takes time. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a second, but let's, let's talk about chores for a second. Because all of us have to do chores every day that we don't feel like doing. All right, let's let's just think about this for a second, and I'm so glad we have our elementary kids here. You guys will be able to identify with some of this. There is some stuff that just is not fun to do. Washing dishes is not fun. Sanitizing toilets is not fun. Raking leaves, yes, that time of year is about to come, is not fun. And it takes everything to do. Taking your refrigerator and scooting it out and cleaning behind the refrigerator, that, that's not a fun task. And can I just ask, does anybody in America take the refrigerator and clean behind it on a regular basis? Does anyone do that? We should, and that would be beneficial. And if you do, you make me sick. And uh, you have a compulsive disorder because you do that. So I'm not looking any direction in here, but I just know that you are a much, much more disciplined person than I. So chores are no fun. They're no, they're no fun to do. But I want us to start for today. I want us to focus on the first word that's going to be in you version or it's going to be in the back of your review. And it's this. It's the word clear. Because that's what we're talking about. It's time to clear out bad habits. See, that's what we do when we do chores around the house. We've got to clear out the dirt. We've got to clear out the, the funk on the toilet. We've got to clear out all the litter. We've got to clear out all the trash. God wants us to sweep things out of our life. Now, I want to glorify God here. And I, I want to I be very clear about our God. Because there's something you need to know. Our God has the power our all-powerful God, to instantaneously change your destructive habit. And, And I've seen that happen on rare occasion. I've seen that happen before. For someone who was addicted to nicotine, someone who was bound to pornography, someone who was addicted to alcohol or had an eating disorder, and the power of God touched them and instantly they changed. That is incredible when that happens. And it does happen. And it can happen. But my experience is that God in his sovereign will and wisdom chooses for us, most of the time, this is just through experience that I've noted this, to go through a process to get out of the behavior that has been destructive. Why? I think, this is human reason here, it took a process to get into our destructive behavior, so God's going to use a process to get us out and it's sweeping i I want you to imagine a broom i want you to imagine a broom and what it takes to sweep out the junk in your life and it's systematic you start at one part of the room and you work your way out the door you start at one side of the sidewalk and you work your way out of it and god wants you to do that and there's a little secret about this It's a secret about motivation. And occasionally I I bring this point up in various sermons because when I realized this about motivation, it changed my life. So, all right, if if you're struggling this morning, paying attention to my sermon, I'm going to give you one little golden nugget that's going to help you. And this is going to help you kids also. Kids, listen, when your parents want you to clean your room, when they want you to do your homework, when they want you to mow the yard, adults, you translate that to everything you're dealing with. You're never going to feel like doing it. You're never going to feel motivated. Very rarely, you're not motivated to sweep stuff out of your life. You're not motivated to do chores. If you wait until you feel like doing it, if you wait until you're motivated, you'll never start. But here's the deal. If you take the first step, if you take the first step, then you begin to feel the progress. And you begin to feel like you're getting somewhere. And that produces motivation in your life. The most important thing in your life is the first step. Because when you take the first step, it produces motivation. We don't respond to motivation. We produce motivation. Every day you have to do something you don't feel like doing. You never have a day when you don't get to do anything. Excuse me. You never have a day where where you don't have to do something you don't feel like doing. That's just life. But if you do what you're supposed to do, even when you don't feel like doing it, and you take the first step, it begins to produce the motivation in your life. That's why we're talking about clearing things out of our life. Clearing the things that God wants us to sweep out. Getting in the process. Doing the hard work. Because God has called us to be holy people. God has called us to be more like Jesus. And we have to get Get in action with him and get in step with him. How many in here are excited about the Titans starting their new season? Man, you guys are asleep today. because I know all of you are bigger Titans fans. Well, last Thursday night, Mark Mariani. I heard a groan already. He catches, he catches the punt or catches a kickoff return. And he dazzles. One of my favorite players for the Titans. And he gets tackled. And if you don't know what happened or didn't see it... Breaks his leg. I mean, breaks his leg immediately. They show the replay, and I see it, and it's grotesque and it's nasty. Of course, what do I do? Hey, Beth! Sorry for yelling so loud. Hey, Beth, come in here. And she runs in there, and she sees this leg break, and says, "I really wish I hadn't seen that." I don't know why we have to share grotesque things with our spouse uh, when nasty things happen. But uh, Mariani gets tackled; his leg snaps. And the guy is laying on the ground in excruciating pain. I mean, there's no doubt this guy. Not only is he in immediate pain, uh, but he's not going to help our team at all this year. So you're feeling for the guy, and you're sympathetic to his pain. But as a fan, and even the announcers, one of the first first things that come to your mind is, who's going to replace him? Isn't that isn't that sick? And not that like sick, us, us sports fans? We don't care about humanity. We just care about a ball getting over a, a line. But, but immediately you think, who is going to replace him? Who's, who's going to replace him? Because why? Change always produces space. And here's the second word I want, you, I want you to write down is vacancy. There's a vacancy. In this scripture, Jesus tells us, listen, what happens when the Spirit leaves... What happens when a bad habit leads? There is a vacancy in your life. And I want you to understand this principle. Every time there's a change, there's a, va- a space, there's a vacuum, there's an emptiness. Let's just think about something as simplistic as a, as a parking lot, a full parking lot. At Opry Mills Mall, and you're looking for a space, and a car leaves changes their plans, they're done with the mall, and they back out of their parking space and leave, what is left? Space. So every time there's a change, there's space. A CEO leaves a company, what is there? There's space. There's there's an empty hole. The principal of our elementary school, a couple days before, left to go to another elementary school. What did it create? A vacancy. It created a space. You can begin to play this in your mind. In life, every time there's a change, there's a space. The kick returner for the Titans, break his legs. Now there's a space for his spot on the team. And this principle applies to your life. Because when you've cleared out and you've swept out that bad habit, you've swept out that destructive habit, you've gone through the process and you've changed things in your heart, one of the keys... To long-term success is realizing that there's a vacancy now. You know, before you had that destructive habit. Now that destructive habit's gone. But in that space is a vacancy. And that today, that's what I want to talk to you about. Of what replaces that space? What replaces that vacancy? In our house, we, we have lots of uh, dental trips these last few years because... My children, who will be here in the second service, so I'm debating whether I can use this illustration without embarrassing them, but they're losing lots of baby teeth. And most of the time, adult teeth are following the baby teeth. But there's been a couple of times with a couple of the kids that there was a premature loss of the tooth. The dentist says, hey, the other teeth are not going to stand for that space. They're going to fill in the gap. So they put something in called a spacer to keep, to keep the needed space there. Why? Because the, our biology, the very biology of who we are, doesn't like empty space. We don't like a vacuum. We're going to fill that space. But this also applies when you're, when you're at the beach and you're building a sandcastle. I don't know if you've done that in the last couple of decades, but you build a sandcastle and you dig out the trench And there's space. And what happens? The water level finds the trench. And that's a strategy for building the sandcastle. But it's also a reminder from our environment that empty space is filled with something. Empty space is filled with something. And so the last word I want to share with you is the word replace. Because I, I want you to get this in your heart today. That every time, every time you eliminate a destructive habit in your life You replace it with something else That's why people with very compulsive personalities Go from one bad habit to another Often what happens is people Replace their destructive habit With another destructive habit that, That's very common Well I want to suggest to you Something else that you have Because the Bible tells us The Bible makes it very clear That we are to be filled With the Holy Spirit we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That As we turn from sin and we turn to God, as we turn away from destructive behavior, yes, by nature we've looked at biology and we've looked uh, at the environment and we know this from just living life and our personalities that every change produces a vacancy. And we're going to fill it with something. Why not fill it with the power of the Holy Spirit? Why not fill it with the living Spirit of God who wants to come to where the emptiness of your destructive habit is and fill that emptiness, fill that vacancy with His Spirit. And that's what God wants you to do. Now, we, in this series, early on, we equated destructive habits with a word called stronghold. And we talked about this, just to review, if you weren't here two weeks ago, or if you don't remember, a stronghold is a strongly defended thought, attitude, or behavior. For the, for the sake of our discussion, that's how we define a stronghold. And we used Fort Knox as an example of a modern-day stronghold, our castle, our fortress. Well, in the Bible, especially in the book of 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles, David, before he was a king, uh, he was on the run. He, he was a, a fugitive. David was being chased by Saul. So I want you to think of David as Harrison Ford and Saul as Tommy Lee Jones. And if you're under 35, you won't understand that joke. But there was a movie called The Fugitive. You'll see it on TBS on Saturday afternoon sometime. And it was a great movie. So, so David is being chased by Saul, Tommy Lee Jones, and he comes up with a place known as a stronghold. Again, it's his own version of Fort Knox. It's his safe place. And all through the scripture, it refers to this physical place. And if you visit Israel today, I'm told that they, have, uh, they, they believe they know where this physical place is. And so most scholars Most people in architecture, it's near Bethlehem, will say this cave was probably David's stronghold. One example of this is 1 Chronicles chapter 12. And you'll see this. This is just one of many examples. 1 Chronicles chapter 12 says, And some of the men, Benjamin and Judah, came to the stronghold to David. So it was a physical place. It was a physical place. Well, that's something we know. But we get to know David from another standpoint, because he's not just a historical figure. David is someone who wrote these beautiful songs that we now call the Psalms. Individually, there's Psalm 1 and Psalm 150 and Psalm 72. But if you know an artist, you know that when an artist writes a song, they're really journaling their true emotions, and they're telling who they really are. And we get to learn something about David. That David's stronghold was not a place. And it was not this cave that we identify in Bethlehem. Sure, that's what other people thought a stronghold was. But David's stronghold was a presence. And David's stronghold was a person. He put his hope in the Lord. And the Lord was his stronghold. And as you eliminate destructive habits in your life i'm going to tell you there's only one way that you can truly get freedom from your destructive habit and that's to get into god he wants to come and he wants to fill that empty space and he wants to fill that vacancy and his presence and his friendship and his love will come to that empty space i want us all to stand together and you notice that at the front here we have a water baptismal tank. To my knowledge, no one has, has uh, indicated they were going to get baptized in this particular service, and so that's okay. But if I'm wrong about that, and you want to be baptized, or simply you didn't know you want to be baptized now, but you're like, hey, the water's hot and ready to go, uh, I'll be baptized. At this time, you can go ahead and, and slip to that back door, and Jay Edgerton he'll be there to give you instruction. So if you want to be if you want to be baptized or prepared to be baptized, you can go at this time and get ready for that. But the rest of us, I want us to talk a little bit about this God who wants us to replace replace our destructive habits with something. Not with a program, not with a bunch of phrases that we speak over and over again, not with some kind of feel good strategy. This God, this God that we serve Wants to fill our vacancy and he wants to be your stronghold. You see, some of you, your stronghold used to be, your stronghold used to be a crutch. It used to be a bad attitude. Your stronghold used to be your anger because you're so full of anger that people were scared of you. And that was a stronghold of your life. Your stronghold came out of a bottle. Your stronghold came out of a drug. Your stronghold came from a behavior that didn't glorify God. Your stronghold was your crutch, and it was your destructive habit. And you counted on something, something. Something that that, uh, that you strongly protected, that, that no one else knew about. It was a thought, it was an attitude, it was a behavior, and it was your stronghold. But God wants you to know today that He wants you to eliminate that. He wants you to drop the baggage. He wants you to sweep out the junk. He wants to clean you up. He wants to get you on the process to be clean. And He's not going to leave you empty. And you're not going to fail again. And you're not going to continue to go down this path of change my behavior and get worse again. Change my behavior and get worse again. Change my behavior and get worse again. Because in your own power and in your own strength, you don't have the ability to overcome your destructive habit. If your own self will You can't overcome that destructive habit. Because every time there's a space, every time there's a vacancy, it comes back. Even stronger. Well, I have good news today. The Spirit of the living God is alive and well today. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And as you walk in the Spirit and you turn away from sin and you begin to seek the Lord and you begin to seek His heart, He will fill you with His Holy Spirit. And instead of this vacancy and instead of this emptiness, His Spirit will come into that space. And His Spirit will be your stronghold. That's why David said in 2 Samuel 22, 3, My God, my rock in whom I stand, uh, I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation. Look at that word there. My stronghold and my refuge. My Savior, you save me from violence. In Psalms 9, 9, he's saying the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed a stronghold in times of trouble. Isn't it good to know that in times of trouble we don't have to rely on the same things people who don't know Christ do? Because we know a person. We know a presence. And when the tough times come, that's when our God steps in. When everyone else abandons us, our God is there. When no one else knows how to relate to you, our God can connect with you. When your own spouse can't say the right words to bring you comfort, the Holy Spirit is a God of all comfort and He will be your stronghold. Psalms 18 18- 2. David said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. David, again, sing this song, Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Isn't that good? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. And whom shall I be afraid? Some of you are dealing with fears. You're dealing with phobias. You're dealing with things that are weighing you down. And can I tell you, those are real and those are legitimate. And I don't understand what you're going through, but my God understands what you're going through. And He's saying that you don't have to fear anymore. You don't have to live under that phobia. You don't have to live under that fear. Because the Lord is my salvation. The Lord is a stronghold of my life. I'm not going to rely on that fear. I'm going to rely on the Lord. I am going to rely on the Lord. Whom shall I be afraid of